Welcome back to The Shorter, a podcast on the Shorter Catechism where two pastors take 20-something minutes to confess their way through the 107 questions of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I'm your host, Tommy Parker, and I'm joined by my co-host, Stephen Spinnenweber. Thanks for coming back, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, buddy. Happy New Year to you. 2021. It's fantastic already. I'm digging it. It, it is. So... When was the last time that we recorded? Was it November? Uh, I think so. I think we, well, it might have been early December. I think we tried to get done before Thanksgiving and maybe we didn't. I don't know. It's been, it's been a little bit. But I know that the listeners are just itching to know what we've been doing that whole time. You've been working on your voluminous uh, leather bound memoirs. Um, when are those set to be released? Soon. Good. What are some three noteworthy things other than that that you've done since our last recording just to catch everybody up? Yeah. Uh, I was trying to think, but I have a theme. I've stayed in three different places for at least more than three nights. A cabin, a hotel in Greenville, South Carolina, oh. and a hospital. Mm. So, Where was the, like, was it like a secret cabin? You didn't? Disclose the location. Yeah, that was here in Florida, down near Keystone Heights, a little vacation with the family, and then went to Greenville for a work-related training retreat with RUF, and then a week ago, my son knocked his head, and we went to the the hospital for a couple nights. Well, I'm glad to see that he is doing better. Um, we've been praying for your family. I prayed for y'all at prayer meeting last week. Um, so... How about you, buddy? Yeah. Well, my my uh, car got totaled in early December, so now I drive a Ford Fiesta. Merry Christmas to you. Every day's a party now. Yeah. Um, I also deleted my Facebook entirely, so I'm off the grid, except I still use a cell phone, electricity. That's like the only thing. Um, so I've deleted my Facebook. We'll see if it stays deleted this time. And, um, in preparation for baby number three, we're doing some house projects. So I'm nesting and I have been hanging doors. Ooh. I did put my foot through one, um, because the saw skipped and it just was a hairy ordeal. So I had to go back to Home Depot and buy another door. But, um, the painting and hanging of doors. It's been, it's been a fun little, little project around the house. Yeah. This past weekend, we like rearranged some of our rooms, but, but that's not why we're here. It's not why we're here. We are here to well, do the shorter, the shorter, the shorter. Um, we're here to demonstrate just to, for those of you, if it's your first time um, on the podcast, maybe you've worked through season one and you've now caught up with us. Welcome. Uh, we're here to demonstrate that the catechism is for all. It's for young, old, men, women, boys and girls, and that it is useful for all of life. So we'd encourage you, listen to the podcast with your kids. Uh, we're, we're a family-friendly podcast. I keep it family-friendly. I keep it family. And my, my daughter, she actually enjoys listening to this thing. She's one of our, I mean, is she an editor? Does she count? She could be. Good. She's really smart. Well, I, we can't pay her, but um, room and board. Well, I can. 
Can you take care of that? Yeah, I'll take care of it. Okay. Uh, so listen to it with your kids, listen to it with your friends or coworkers, and share it with a non-Christian friend if she, he or she is kind of weighing the truth claims of Christianity and if you know they want to enter into a larger conversation about what we believe, not only as Christians, but particularly as Reformed Christians. So thus far, we've worked our way through questions 1 through 38, which tell us about uh, what we are to believe concerning God. We talked about God's person, his attributes, talked about the creation of man, fall, redemption through the work of Christ. So a lot of good stuff. We'd encourage you to go back and listen to that. But this week, Tommy, what are we doing? This week, we are starting season two. You believe it? Uh, we, we kind of divided the whole catechism up into three seasons. Uh, and this week, we are starting with season two, which we're going to tip our toes into the second part of the Shorter Catechism, which is the section through the, the moral law, the Ten Commandments. Uh, and we're going to plan uh, today to give you just a, a brief overview of the law. Again, the Ten Commandments. Uh, now, it's worth saying that you know by no means we're going to be exhaustive here. Uh, we're not going to cover it all. We may exhaust you, but yeah, we will not be true. exhaustive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We might deal that we what we want to say here in you know, the next 20 minutes is that we just want to you know, give you a quick intro on the Ten Commandments, the moral law, and and it's important. And I think we'll make this point elsewhere, but I'll mention it here. Uh, I think it's telling that the Westminster divines and other creeds and confessions, you know, this is a standard within confessional stuff throughout the ages. The the Ten Commandments, uh, what we might think is kind of boring or, you know, why would they put that there? Uh, I think it's telling that not just the Westminster Confession of Faith, but other confessions, particularly in the 16th, 17th century, had the Ten Commandments in it. It's very telling. And and hopefully today we'll we'll give you a glimpse of why that is. So we're I'm, I'm excited because, you know, the last couple of months I've been kind of re-dipping my feet, my toe. Because I think, particularly Reformed Christians, we assume that we got the Ten Commandments down. Um, and I think it, my hope, even for me, is to kind of be refresh of why the Ten Commandments are here in the in the catechism uh, and be reminded of what, what, what our God does require of us. That's right. So what are we doing today in terms of structure? Are we a three-pointer preacher today or are we a two-pointer? I think we're a two. No, we're a three. Two. Well, I mean, so the one has two parts, yeah. but it's it's one. So the first one, what are we doing? It's we're, the, we, yeah, we're going to look at the scope and the original context of the law. So mm-hmm. so first, we're going to look at this whole idea of the scope of the law. Yeah, what, what it requires, right? Yeah. So the scope of the law, we, we would say, um, and what we're doing today is we're going to be making reference to questions 39 through uh, 44 of the Shorter Catechism. So even if you don't necessarily hear us read it, that that's kind of running in the background of everything that we're saying. But we got this word scope because in question 39, the Catechism asks, what is the duty which God requireth of man? The duty which God requireth of man is obedience to his revealed will. Now notice that there is no qualifier there. This is universally binding expectation. The duty is required of man, and that's all men. Not just Christian men, not just Christian men, women, but all mankind is obligated to obey God. And what we're required to obey exactly is his revealed will. We, in previous episodes, we called this his will of decree. 
or his um, commonly what's known as his, um, well, actually, we talked about his revealed will, which is his word, but the will of decree or his secret will, we can't obey that in the sense that we can't know what is secret, right? So God isn't requiring us to know what we're supposed to do in five years. What he requires of us is to know what we ought to do right now, what he's revealed in his word. Yeah. Deuteronomy 29, 29 is kind of the classic proof text for this, that secret things belong to the, our Lord, but the things that have been revealed to us uh, is what's kind of required of us. Exactly. And so that's why we need to bring the word to bear uh, in our lives and in our evangelism, because, you know, somebody will say, well, I don't recognize the authority of the Bible, or, you know, I don't, I keep my own set of commandments and and I don't really adhere to yours, but we owe God a debt of obedience because he created us. And and that kind of brings us um, into the second part of this one is the original context wherein it was given. So God creates us, but he delivers the Ten Commandments to a special people um, in yeah. Exodus 20. Yeah, and this is important. You know, he he did not reveal it to us. Sometimes we, when we think of the Ten Commandments, we think of you know the courthouse in Alabama where the you know they had the Ten Commandments in the lobby and people got all their panties in the wad. Um, you know, should they be there? Should they not? You know, it's a little bit telling of you know like what you're saying the universal binding or the universal reality that the Ten Commandments are trying to show us and tell us something. However. The Ten Commandments did come to, uh, or particular to the original audience, uh, the people of Israel, in a, in a certain context. Um, and again, the Shorter Catechism tells us about this context. Question forty-three: uh, What is the the preface to the Ten Commandments? The preface to the Ten Commandments is in these words: "I am the Lord, I am the Lord thy God, which has brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage." Um, and what does the Ten Commandments teach us? Uh, the Ten Commandments teach us that uh, because God is the Lord our God, he's the Redeemer, therefore we are bound to keep all his law and his commandments. So the original context, uh, what the preface is trying to tell us about the Ten Commandments is that the Ten Commandments are coming to the redeemed people of God. Mm-hmm. God has saved them, redeemed them, and since you are my redeemed people of God, this is how we're going to be light and salt to the world. This is how we're going to show the world how how the, how life works best. And and that's kind of a And this was to be the law which they kept so as to, you know, live a good life in the land. You know, what is the fifth commandment? Honor your father and mother for what purpose? That your days may be long in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So this is not just how life works best, but this is, I guess, the channel through which God blesses his people. Our obedience does not merit God's favor. So we're not talking about merit, but but preaching through Joshua, Joshua chapter 8. After Achan's sin, and after Achan and his family, you know, they're, they're done away with, then the channels of God's blessings open back up to Joshua, because he says in Joshua 8 verse 1, fear not, be not dismayed because God's going to help them. And so, yeah, this was Israel's way to live, to quote a cute common Christian, in the center of God's will. What is God's will of desire for his people? How does he want them to live? 
Yeah, that's all laid out here in these Ten Commandments. And you see it through, you know, Joshua. You know, our family just finished Joshua reading it in the morning. Now we're up to the judges. And, you know, just it's kind of intriguing, you know, when Joshua died. You know, what does the text say there, Stephen? Do you remember? Everyone was doing what was right in their well, own eyes. That, you know, they didn't know the Lord or what he has done for them. You know, mm-hmm. they're kind of this next generation, you know. And so, so here, from the get-go, God is reminding them, what, what have I done for you? I've saved you. I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. And because of those realities, um, this is what my people are expected to do. Well, this is what we, you know, and, you, you know, my dad used to say, you know, you know, park – the park family, this is what we do. You know, right. we're, we're never late. We always tell the truth. And even in a bigger sense, you know, God's doing that here uh, in this context. You never are late. Now I come to think of it. Well, I'm, yeah, that's. I'm trying my best to get us off on rabbit trails. Yeah, yeah. If you cannot tell. So to, to, to kind of come back to the universally binding scope of the Ten Commandments. We owe God our obedience because he made us. We owe him 100% perfect, personal, perpetual obedience because he made us. But the people of God have an added incentive or we have an added obligation to obey him because not only did he just make us, but he purchased us through the sending of Christ. And, And here, even in the preface, he says, look, I took you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Therefore, I mean, there's really kind of this therefore that's undergirding the preface of the Ten Commandments, therefore, obey me. Um, there's an illustration one of my old pastors used to use. There's a boy who made a little model ship, and you know he, he sends the model ship into the river, and the wind and the waves just take it away, and, 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 and it's lost. And the boy's just, he is you know, broken up about it. But then he's walking through the town, and he looks through the glass of this little shop, and he sees his boat. Somebody retrieved the boat, and the man says, you know, I'd love to give it to you, but I mean, I bought this boat and, and you need to buy it back from me. And the boy, he goes and he works and he saves up his pennies and he goes and he buys the boat. And when he gets the boat, he says, now you're twice mine. Not only did I make you, but I've bought you. Hmm. And that's how God comes to us with the Ten Commandments. Not only have I made you, but I've bought you. And and so I desire you to obey me. Yeah. Um that's good. I'll preach. It'll, well, it did preach. Yeah. One of my preachers. Yeah, it'll, it'll preach again. That's right. Um, what What is the Baptist uh, preacher once said? I milk a lot of cows, but I make my own butter. Uh, I don't know what that means. It's a thing. Yeah. Um, so that's the priority of grace. I grew up in the city. You did. You're, yeah. you're a city slicker. Um, the priority of grace, you've heard this before, all other world religions lead with the do- whereas Christianity leads with done. We've not been called to idleness. So that, that's the where's the place of good works, right? The discussion we have with James. We're not saved by our works. Our works aren't the cause of our salvation, but they are the necessary consequence of our salvation. So this is the context. It's in a context of grace. Now, Tommy, you, you probably get this one a lot. You have to put on your apologist hat here. Um, as a campus minister... What are some questions that you get about the law? Take us into our second point about the three types. Yeah. I mean, doing RUF now for 14 years, one of the questions I get most often is like, is, about, is actually the law. You know, here's the law in the 
Old Testament, particularly all these weird laws, you know, should we still obey them, follow them? You know, does does the law still apply? How does the law still apply? Should um, we eat shrimp? Yeah, should we eat shrimp? Should we, you know, we won't get all in the details. I want to uh, talk about the shrimp, but yeah. you keep going on. I like shrimp. So, but again, like we were saying earlier, I think here um, there's a lot of confusion, you know, because there's all these laws, but we need to put all these laws in its proper context uh, and kind of setting it up. So, again, I, there are three types of law. Um, and I think knowing the types helps us understand the context in which each of those types were kind of laid out, why, and then how do they kind of play out still today? You know, mm-hmm. so, so for example, the first one is the ceremonial. Um, the ceremonial laws are those mosaic laws pertaining to particularly the Israel's worship of God, uh, you know, to model their, the holiness of God, as it were, mm-hmm. to the people. So it dealt primarily with ceremonies, with ritual sacrifices, and, and that cleanliness code about shaving the head and, and all that stuff. Um, now, now you, you touched on it. They seem strange, but there was a teachable element to it. It wasn't just for the sake of you know, putting hoops there for people to jump through. What was God's intention for these laws? Well, God's intention for these laws was to drive home the importance of holiness, that the people of God was set apart. They were different than all the other nations. They were different than all the other uh, people. Uh, they had, uh, as they have come to the promised land, they were supposed to, to live and behave a certain way uh, and to guard themselves, but also to protect themselves. And, and God gave them these laws, particularly these ceremonial laws, as a as a grand reminder that God is holy and that he has set us apart. Yeah. It's a it's a witness and a reminder, not just to the covenant people, but to the pagan nations that would be their neighbors when they come into the promised land, that they are a different people, that their God is a different God and has a higher standard um, than all the idols that they had set up. And this explains some of those otter commandments in the Old Testament, particularly in the book of Leviticus, I, th- I think um, you could say Leviticus is like the revelation of the Old Testament. Most people kind of stop reading there because it's a little obscure at times. And um, this is the book that unbelievers like to quote, you know, to Christians, sort of the gotcha questions. Well, you know, you Christians, I mean, are you, uh, does your V-neck that you're wearing there now, Tommy, uh, is that 100% cotton or? Because this, this is a hoodie. Blew my cover. Okay, uh, but it's, just I'm, trying to be honest. I, well, I'm still waiting for my hoodie. By the way, uh, well, it's coming in the mail. Actually, my daughter Tilly, on the way out today, said she wanted an REF hoodie as well. So maybe we well put, put in a little order. She's first in the order. Um, yeah. So just think of this commandment, for example: You shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your cattle breed with a different kind. You shall not sow your field with two kinds of seed nor shall you wear a garment of cloth made of two kinds of material, Leviticus 19.19. Now, um, I don't know what that delightful hoodie is made of, but what is God getting at? So an unbeliever will say, well, you Christians, you you say things like, um, you know, uh, homosexuality and um, all these different kind of 
culturally acceptable sins, you, you, you come down really hard on those, but you're not even logically consistent because, you know, you, it says here, you shouldn't wear a garment of cloth made of two kinds of material. Where, where do you get off, you know, picking and choosing? And we need to remember that these ceremonial laws are no longer binding because they have been fulfilled through the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to come to that a little bit later. So these are ceremonial, and this is, I think, where a lot of Christians get stumped, if you will. Why Why? Do, why are they here and why have they gone away, right? Yeah. You know, they're there because they're showing God's people of the Old Testament during that time the holiness and the wonder of God. And the, even to model... As they are, as they are God's people, they also need to be set apart, not to mingle. You know, getting with your your example there in Leviticus, not to mix with the other. You know, stay stay in your lane, as it were. Uh, and so, and since Christ has come, fulfilled that, uh, we can take some application from these laws, but they're not continuing, uh, right. as it were. And the same is the case for that second type of law, which is uh, the judicial law, right? And this is what people commonly refer to as the civil law. These laws regulated the life of Israel as a commonwealth, as a body politic. The church in the Old Testament existed in the form of a nation, national Israel. And so these judicial laws were the laws that governed the people as a nation. You might think of the judicial laws as the enforcer of sorts. It enforced both the ceremonial and moral laws. And because the church under the new covenant does not exist as a nation, we are to go into the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Because we don't exist as a nation, as the church did in the old covenant, the judicial law has, as you might expect, passed away. Yeah, and there are a number of questions that people might have about the judicial laws, like they did about the ceremonial because there are some elements, I mean, a number of elements of the judicial law that maybe are uncomfortable at first reading. What are some of those, Tommy, you think? Yeah, I think like the severity of the consequences of the ceremony, of the judicial law, like stoning, like if you did certain things. Like Achan in yeah, Joshua. Yeah, that, you know, the consequences of that is being stoned to death um, in the in the... And that's a pretty hefty consequence. And so um, so people ask or wonder or scratch their heads or poke at, you know, that reality of uh, – and again, I think what God's trying to do is that's, that we need to take sin seriously. Mm -hmm. and, and since God takes it seriously, the consequences of it seriously. And there's nothing in comparison of the ultimate – consequence of sin and that's to be almost said separated from god but you know even just facing separated the, from his fatherly father, pleasure yeah, yeah yeah you know just that whole reality that we face uh, the wrath of god um mm -hmm. in our in our sin and our misery without being in christ um and so you know the wages of sin is death and that's no less the case now in the new covenant but under that old covenant era, God was really trying to model for the people that um, sin was was super serious, and um, it was nowhere taken, I would say, more seriously, or you could say with the severity and the weight of sin is seen nowhere more clearly than in the cross of Christ, where he died for our sins. Yeah. 
So um, he was the perfect. He was the one who who fulfilled all these things perfectly. Yes, on our behalf, mm-hmm. and because he has filled the law of God on our behalf, and then he also faced the very wrath of God. He, you know, he lived for us, but he also died for us. Right, and that leads us into our third point: running out of time. Ugh. It was so quick. I'm beating myself up right now. That's all right. You guys can't hear it on the microphone, but I'm just like Martin Luther. Well, this is probably why we're over on time. Uh, so the, th- the third type of law, moral law, which is summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments. And the moral law, um, as Romans chapter 2 says, is written on every man's heart. And so we would say that the moral law was impressed upon, whether verbally communicated or not, the Bible's silent on that, to Adam and Eve in the garden. Um, it's the same moral law that was delivered and summarily comprehended. We could say that it was distilled and codified at Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 20 through Moses. And um, the Ten Commandments, we'll say this, the moral, the moral law, the Ten Commandments are a reminder of what must be done if we would desire to be justified by the law, but it's also a reminder of what we cannot do because no one can be justified by the law anymore. This is what Paul says in Galatians chapter 3. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, curse be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. So the Ten Commandments tell us that if man were left to himself, this is the expectation. But we can't meet it. Yeah. And Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, you know, kind of does a, a retelling of the law mm-hmm. and kind of shows us how we don't uh, meet the requirements that are there. You know, just... Uh, you know, because the moral law really goes straight to the heart. Um, it really addresses heart issues, moral issues, um, that we we do fall short uh, of the glory of God that's laid out there. Mm-hmm. So we've got some other meat left on the bone here. Maybe we'll pocket it for some other episodes. What do you say? Yeah. Leave, leave the, our listeners, our returners, particularly in suspense. You know, they, they've waited a couple months for this one. They've been just checking their phones every day. Yeah, I know. And now this will give them some more to come to. So, yeah. So this is probably a three month journey through the 10 commandments. And we're going to, we're excited about kind of going to the 10 commandments and having some good, uh, tell them them who we're interviewing. We got Les Newsome. Name some names. Yeah. Les Newsome, uh, RUF buddy, uh, pastor that Christ Prez in Oxford, Mississippi. And so he just got done preaching the 10 commandments. So, uh, we're going to interview him as a, a pastor who has just preached this. You know, what does that look like? Uh, why did he preach it? Uh, wh- you know, why would you preach the Ten Commandments? So we're going to ask him those type questions, and on Thursday uh, we'll release that interview. So and we've got David Strain in the clip. We've yeah. got Jason Holopoulos. Yeah, Jason's back by back. popular demand. Yeah, um, Mark Jones. Mark Jones on antinomianism. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. So. Yeah. Thanks so much for signing on for the second season of The Shorter. We are excited to continue the conversation with you all. And until we talk next, which will not be two months from now, keep it short. Glory be to the Father and to the 
No.